Folks, I got something to tell you. The NBA, West versus East, who's better? It might not be who you think. I had a revelation this morning that I think you all need to have as well. Plus, the NBA schedule is starting to come out, and the NBA is trying to tell you something. I'll tell you what that is. Plus, LeBron James is seen in an L.A. Lakers uni for the first time. What do I think of that? The NCAA changes some rules. The NFL preseason, that's right, football's back. American football's back. Starts tonight. My thoughts on preseason games. And Premier League starts tomorrow. And boy, am I getting excited. I want to talk about Chelsea before I officially give my full predictions on tomorrow's podcast and show. But before then... This podcast starts right about now. Come on in, Sports 6 Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Friend, here on a... I I don't even know what to call it. Thursday. Packed, loaded, jammed, full, whatever. Bring out your thesaurus. It's all of them. Three minutes on the clock. Let's start here with this epiphany I had this morning. I literally started preparing for this show, doing the things I usually do, and I literally had an epiphany at like 6 a.m. this morning that I couldn't get out of my mind once I had it. I'm like, holy crap. I've been thinking wrong about this. You all have been likely thinking wrong about this. I think the pundits, I think... I think all of us have been thinking wrong about this except some of the players. And what do I mean by this? I mean this narrative that has existed very consistently now that the Western Conference in the NBA is significantly better than the Eastern Conference in the NBA and that it's not even close. That's the narrative, right? West is way better. Why did LeBron James go out there? That was stupid. Now he has to face tougher competition. The East is weak. The true NBA Finals is in the Western Conference Finals. We've heard it all. You've probably said it. I'll admit I'm guilty as charged. I've said some of those things. But I came to the epiphany this morning that the Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference long-term. And let me explain, because by long-term, I literally mean like in the next two years. So it's not that long-term. Let me go through the Western Conference playoff teams. And before you call me crazy, just give me the next 90 seconds to explain myself. The Western Conference playoff teams last year, in no particular order, go as followed. The T-Wolves, who, let's be honest, aren't going to be anything special, and they're going to lose at least one of Jimmy Butler or Carl Anthony Towns, it appears. The San Antonio Spurs have gotten worse, no doubt about that, by losing Kawhi Leonard. The New Orleans Pelicans have gotten worse. The Oklahoma City Thunder, as long as they have Russell Westbrook, are not going to win anything significant. And speaking of not winning anything significant, you might as well bring up the Portland Trailblazers right about now. And then the Houston Rockets have gotten way worse, as I talked about in yesterday's podcast. And the Utah Jazz are interesting, I'll give them that, but I think they're still a year or two away. And then you obviously have Golden State. You go to the East then. You have Boston, who you know is going to be a perennial leader in the Eastern Conference. You have Philly, who as long as their players can stop getting injured, is also going to be a consistent contender in the East. You have wherever Giannis is, 
You have the raptors, though, kind of. I don't know how to be scared of baby dinosaurs up there that have done nothing. And you have the, and this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm still going to throw them in there because I think they might surprise some people this year. You have the Indiana Pacers, who I think are going to be interesting. But without a doubt, you have Boston, you have Philly, you have Giannis. Here's my thing. I just went through the West. It's not as great as some of us might think, is it? It's really Golden State. And a whole bunch of good but not great teams followed behind. And if Golden State play and their team and their roster decreases even to some extent, because we saw the Rockets be on their level this year, that I don't think we're too far away from their dominance ending. You also look at them probably losing Clay Thompson next year to free agency. Unless they can somehow figure out a way to pay him his max contract that he needs. Or, you know, just convince him to take another ridiculous pay cut like they seem to have all their players doing. But it, and it's, we've also seen it break down to some extent for Golden State over the past couple of years. And there's also questions about what Kevin Durant does. I don't think it's ludicrous to say that the Golden State Warriors could decline their play. And again, as I just said, their play wasn't that far. And then when you have Boston and you have Philly, who you know, as long as they don't royally screw it up, are going to be good for the next five years at least. I think in a couple of years, we could be looking back at this and saying, wow, the East is better than the West. LeBron's decision... To go to the West might have been smart because of this reason. And that the East is better. Now, before I move on, because I am going to move on, I will say this. Why it looks that way now to me, I also acknowledge that the Western Conference has a history of getting players and it has a history of beating the East for a reason. So, you know, they could go out and get Giannis and Kyrie and Gordon Hayward all of a sudden and still be better. I'm not ruling that out, but I'm just saying this is the way it looks right now. Now I want to spend literally 60 seconds on this, but I do think there's something to take away here from the NBA schedule that's been released so far. We have the Christmas Day matchup, we have MLK Day matchups, and we have the first week of nationally televised games. The very first game of the season on national TV will be Philly versus Boston. Opening night followed by Thunder versus uh, Golden State. But I want to focus on that first matchup. Philly versus Boston. The NBA knows... And by the way, the NBA is smart, especially with Adam Silver leading them. They, they don't make any mistakes. They think about who they put first opening up the season. And the NBA knows that whether it's a rivalry or not, Philly and Boston being good and competing against each other is great for the NBA. Which is why when you look at the teams, let's look at the teams that appear twice in the opening week on national TV. It's Boston. It's Philly. It's Golden State. It's Toronto. It's LA. All cities that the NBA knows, they need their attention in order to be at the peak of their popularity. And this is why the NBA is smart and is an absolutely amazing amazing product. And I don't know about you, when I look at a lot of these matchups, I get pretty damn excited. Okay. Before I do get to the NCAA rule change and then some NFL talk here, let me put 60 seconds on the clock for LeBron James debuting himself in a Lakers uniform. He posted it on his Instagram story. You've probably seen it by now. If you haven't, just head over to his Instagram story or just Google it. You'll find it. I got to be honest. How disrespectful. How disrespectful. I mean, LA, did you see that jersey? 
Did you see the jersey they, I, I mean, they had the audacity to stick on the king. Did you see that jersey? I mean, damn, LA, you're supposed to be like the capital of like graphic design and fashion and all these amazing things. If not the capital, one of the biggest in the world. You're supposed to have the best of the best. You're supposed to have the people who know how to design the best. And that's the jersey you come up with? That? That looks like something my 75-year-old grandfather would wear. That thing's ugly as hell. And I'm not one to be a fashion expert and criticize jerseys. Overall, I think most jerseys are kind of eh. This thing's ugly. This thing's hella ugly. And if you're the LA Lakers, like, that's the jersey you're having the king wear? Okay. Hopefully their uh, season isn't as bad as their jersey looks. Now, two and a half minutes on the clock for the NCAA, who made some, some rule changes. I'm not going to call them significant. Let me run through them right here very quickly for you. College basketball players can now hire an agent. Yes, they can. They can also return to college basketball if they aren't drafted that year. So if they commit to the NBA draft and they're not drafted, they can now return. They couldn't do that before. And quote, elite and quote, high school players can have an agent starting their junior year in high school, in high school. Listen, I think this is a small step forward. And when I say small step, I mean, baby, I mean, you have to get a magnifying glass in on that step to see that it's even forward because this is barely a step forward. I think anything that gives the players more control is good in the NCAA for these quote unquote student athletes which is a term, by the way, just coined by the NCAA so that way they can get away with not paying these guys and gals. But regardless, I think player control and the small amount that these moves gave them is always a good thing. But it's the NCAA. So, of course, you have a lot of problems with these new rules that should have been relatively simple and should have been a slightly bigger step forward. But instead, they're the NCAA, so let me run through the problems that exist here. These quote, elite high school players who can have agents starting their junior year? If you're like me, you're wondering, okay, well, how do we determine what high school players are elite or not and therefore can have an agent or not? The NCAA wants this to be decided by USA Basketball. USA Basketball has since come out and said, we want no part of that. And not only that, get this, the NCAA did not meet. They decided not to meet with the NBA or USA Basketball. Hey, NCAA, you can pay me way less than whoever the hell you have in charge of this debacle of rule changes. Way less. Guaranteed you're paying them six figures. You can pay me chump change compared to that and you can guarantee i will suggest you get an, a meeting with the nba and usa basketball because that's common sense but oh wait I, I forgot the ncaa doesn't have that and that is why this is so annoying it should have been a relatively small but still significant step forward instead it's, it's a very small step forward borderline backwards and also ncaa by the way you know you're in just a terrible spot historically and currently when a step forward is when these agents can actually pay for some of these students' food and travel so you know they can, oh, I don't know, do this thing called eat. It's a concept, NCAA. How about you learn it? Now, before I get to some true football here with Chelsea in the Premier League and that starting tomorrow, 
Let's talk about the NFL preseason. NFL preseason starts tonight. And I put out this tweet and question on Twitter. How much emphasis do you put in the NFL preseason on a scale of 1 to 10? How much? Because I, I, I find a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on this. But I'm glad at least my Twitter audience is relatively in cahoots with each other. Because I said on a scale of 1 to 5, where do you put it on Twitter at NickFriend24? All of the votes so far, currently as of nearly 10 a.m. Eastern time, are between the 1 and 3 range. And that's where I'm at. In fact, I'm less. Zero. I put zero emphasis in this. I'm sorry. None. Zero. Diddly squat. Double zero. Robert Parrish, baby. None. Zero. Nada. None. Super Bowl teams in the preseason last year were three and five combined. The Eagles and the Patriots. And you want me to put emphasis on the preseason? I mean, we talking about preseason. If you don't get me careful, I'm going to go on that rant. I'm going to go on the practice preseason rant. This is the preseason. It's August. It's August 9th. I'm like just starting to get into NFL mode. And instead of being able to watch some NFL games, I have to watch the crap show that is the preseason. I mean, you got Johnny Smith. You got your neighbor. You got the attendant at the gas station. The person who bags the groceries at the grocery store. You got the banker. You got to see everybody's out in that damn field in the preseason. You're like, whoa, honey, is that our neighbor? Yeah, it is. Okay. Like, you don't even know who these players are once you get past the first quarter or if you're lucky, two full quarters. It's a joke. In my mind, the only thing that players or teams can do is go down in my stock, go down in my head. And I think going down and losing stock and losing confidence in the preseason, by me, a pundit, is pretty damn hard to do. So, uh, no, I, I don't give a rip. I'll be watching. Yes, I'll be watching. But I don't I don't give a rip. I really don't. Other than maybe seeing how Andrew Luck performs tonight. That's about it. All right, two minutes on the clock. Premier League starts tomorrow. I am so, 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 so excited. So excited to have some football back. It is good. Even with the World Cup. I've had some time to recover. I think we've all had some time to recover. I'm ready to jump back in. And I'm going to give my full predictions and full breakdown on tomorrow's show and podcast. But I want to talk about Chelsea here for a minute. Because obviously they made headlines late last night and then into this morning here in America time zone when uh, they brought in the goalkeeper, Kepa Ariza Balaga. And listen, I've tried to spend hours learning his last name. It ain't easy. So if I butchered that, I'm sorry. But... <laughs> Obviously a big record-breaking transfer and a good move considering what happened before that, which we all know. But this season for Chelsea to me is interesting because I think them and Arsenal are kind of in relatively similar spots. They have new managers and interesting rosters. And I think Chelsea, very in particularly, is very intriguing. You have Maritza Sarri, their new manager, who left Napoli. Serie A. Now trying to make his mark on the Premier League. And a lot of people think he's going to do really, really well. And so do I. I expect him to do well. I think it might take some time. But I think I expect him to do well. One of the reasons I expect it to not take it as... Wow, let me try that again. One of the reasons I expect it to not take as long as some people think is because he brought over Giorgino from Napoli. Who was 
and not only an intricate part, pretty much the part in that overall team's ball movement in the 4-3-3 that he likes to run, where he allows that offense, that attack, that defense, the midfield, everything ran through Giorgino at Napoli and fully expect the same thing at Chelsea. So I think that comfort level between them two is going to significantly help. And I think their season can completely go either way. I could see them falling out of the top five completely, and I could see them rising into the top three and potentially finish second. I really think it could go either way. But for my final prediction, tune into tomorrow's show and podcast. Today's show already released on sportsnick.com and the YouTube channel as always. Uh, tomorrow, Sports and Nick's show, Sports and Nick's podcast, and folks, you can't see it, but I'm taking off my glasses. I got some damn announcements to make. Well, I'll have more announcements to make tomorrow, but I have one today. The Sports and Nick podcast, this thing you're listening to, the Sports and Nick audio experience is now available on Spotify. Hallelujah. Go get it. Add it. It's also on iTunes. It's also now on Google Podcasts. It's on. It's everywhere. SoundCloud, Overcast, uh, everywhere. Go get it. Because I'm pumped about the future of this podcast. I'm going to shut up and go catch everyone tomorrow.